It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into your daily source for the Cincinnati Reds throughout the offseason. This is the Locked On Reds podcast, and I'm your host, Jeff Carr. And here we go. What's up, Reds fans? Welcome into the Locked On Reds podcast. It's a Thursday. Thanks so much for joining me today. No, we had an off day yesterday, but we've got a weekend episode coming up this weekend. In honor of Reds Fest, so I thought I'd spread it out a little bit this week. But today, we're going to get to talking about some good stuff. We've got off-season talk about a little bit more about Mike Moustakis and some thoughts I've got there. Also have some uh, looking at some players that have gone elsewhere. And rumors that the Reds are linked to Madison Bumgarner, a trade which I don't think that's going to happen, but is a very interesting one. And maybe a couple of minutes on some all-decade team thoughts as we jump into the last month of the season. Or, of the year. Not the season. The season's well over. Anyway, whatever. Before we get to all that, though, make sure that you are subscribed to the podcast on all the many podcasting platforms. Check us out on Twitter, at Jeff Carr with three Fs, and at Locked On Reds. Save the Locked On Reds line number into your phone, 513-549-0159, and also check out LockedOnReds.com. As I mentioned, I had some more thoughts just looking at the Mike Moustakis deal. We, we, it's funny because there's always this sort of cycle that you go through in the offseason. There's the period of time where the Reds don't do anything, but there's lots of rumors and there's lots of thoughts like, oh, hey, they're connected to this player. They could go after this guy. This might happen. And, of course, we're going to talk about a little bit of that here in a minute. But there's always that cycle, and it starts with the rumors. Then something happens. They make a trade. They make a signing. And there's jubilation. There's excitement. People look at it, and I'm I'm guilty of this most of all, because I get super excited when things like that happen. I'm like, whoo, yeah, let's do it. Really happy about it. You almost don't see a negative. You see that signing, you're like, oh, it's all positive, period. There's nothing wrong with it at all. Then a day or two goes by, and the realists come in. Not going to lie. Not a big fan of the realists. I understand it. I know that there's a, you know, a point of view that someone sits back and makes sense of it all and all this other stuff. I hate it. You got those people now on Moustakis that are coming in like, I don't know about this deal. Seems like they overpaid for him. The Reds overpaid. They overpaid. They paid too much. In fact, that's one of the thought line, uh, thought processes behind uh, something Keith Law said. Keith Law believes that the Reds overpaid for Mike Moustakis. Whatever. I don't care. I do not care what the line was, what they thought he should have made. The Reds understand that they've got to win now. They're not going to do that by getting players on the cheap. 
They've got their guys. They've got the guys that they want to go after, bring in, and be a part of this playoff machine, hopefully. And in order to do that, maybe they got to overpay a little bit. But then there's this other thought process along the overpaying thing, and that is you can't have your cake and eat it too here. You cannot be reporting that teams are colluding and that players aren't getting paid their worth and that free agents aren't being traded fairly and all this other stuff. And then turn around and say that someone's getting overpaid. You either think one way or the other. And I don't know... If you think about it from this standpoint, if you're saying that a free agent has been overpaid, that means you are defending the multi-billionaire that is paying him. I, I don't understand that. I root for my team to win. Whatever my team has to do to win, I want that to happen. If that means they've got to take a risk, if that means they've got to sign a 31-year-old player to a four-year deal, I'm all for it. Let's make it happen. I'm happy that Mike Moustakis is a red. I cannot wait to chant all season long. And I firmly believe that it's going to be a good signing. They had Tucker Barnhart on ESPN 1530. Mo Egger did. He was talking to him a little bit. And actually, it was more so kind of just kind of previewing Reds Fest. But he also had the benefit of talking to him about what Tucker thought about Mike Moustakis coming in. And Tucker, one of the first things he said, he's like, one of the first things I heard about Moustakis is that he's a great teammate. He's one of the best teammates in the league. He's a guy that'll do anything for you. He wants to win. That's what we need. And that's the intangible. That's one of those things that folks who rail against sabermetrics and things of that nature, there is no sabermetric for, you know, a hard-working, want-to-win guy, and Mike Moustakis fits that mold. Now, there's plenty of numbers on him that are good, and we talked about that on Tuesday's episode, but on the other end of the spectrum, you've got his teammates that know exactly what sort of character he's got, and they all, or at least from Tucker Barnhart's point of view, it's a good signing for the Reds, and, and I'm happy. I'm looking forward to it. I tell you what, though. That's going to end the rant about Mike Moustakis because, like I mentioned, we're we're just in that period of the signing where everyone's just like, I don't know, let's be realistic here. Let's be unbiased. I don't want to do that. I'm a fan. And I, I'm not, I'm not a uh, talking head on some kind of national TV show about baseball. And, what, and then don't get me wrong. If I think the Reds are doing something wrong, I'm going to be real about that. But I don't think they did anything wrong here. In fact, I love what they did. Love that Mike Moustakas is on the team. We're going to talk about a couple of other guys. Uh, one guy who is actually rumored to be connected with the Reds in some sort of negotiating fashion. One guy that's not really connected with the Reds, but it's an interesting idea. And then some all-decade talk. It was reported a few weeks back that the Reds were interested in Zach Wheeler, and many uh, different teams had been linked to him because he's a pretty decent pitcher who most people have confirmed that he is now healthy and things of that nature. And so there was a lot of teams that were looking to add him to their roster. The Philadelphia Phillies ended up winning the Zach Wheeler sweepstakes, signing him to a 
five-year, $118 million deal. And that's a great deal for him. I, I definitely don't uh, think that there's anything wrong with that, numbers-wise, money-wise, years-wise, whatever. But on the other end of the spectrum, I'm kind of okay that the Reds missed out on that because while you want to get better and there's something to be said about just getting better no matter where the position is, starting pitcher, you know, the rotation is not necessarily somewhere they need to focus $23 million. I know they've got a decent chunk of money that they're going to use to upgrade, and they've already used some of that on Mike Moustakis. Now, they got a lot of that back whenever they non-tendered Jose Peraza and Kevin Gosman. So really, they only spent a couple of million on Mike Moustakis, and one would believe they probably got somewhere around $30 million more to spend. That being said, $23 million of that coming out for Zach Wheeler, while that would make their rotation probably the best rotation in baseball, it still doesn't really help the one thing that they struggled with last year. And I'm kind of okay with them missing out on it. Now there is another rumor. And this is an even more interesting thing because some believe that this particular pitcher would garner more in the per-year basis. Maybe not more years, but more in the per-year basis than Zach Wheeler, and that is Madison Bumgarner. The Reds are rumored to be one of the teams in the Bumgarner sweepstakes. And that, I mean, that would be intriguing to add him. He's a great pitcher. He has a lot of mileage on his arm. He's pitched a ton in his career. So you wonder about durability. Is, is he starting to decline in the durability area? You don't want to bring in a guy that you pay a ton of money for and then maybe he's an injury risk because he's got a lot of mileage already on him. At the same token, he would be a very, very nice addition to the rotation. And, and there is some discussion to be had exactly where he would fit in. Last year was actually a down year for him. He still had an ERA in the threes. He doesn't walk people at all. He only had 43 walks all year last year compared to over 200 strikeouts. Very efficient with his pitches. Nonetheless, you wonder where his durability is, how much longer he's got that effectiveness in his arm because of the number of innings he's already pitched. And I know that this is kind of one of those unanswerable questions, but what does he look like moving forward? He's been pitching for 11 years. He has 1,846 innings pitched. You do the math on the pitches. I'm not going to go that far. And, and, and the numbers in those 1,846 innings are very impressive. His career ERA is 3.13. He has 8.7 strikeouts per nine innings compared to just 2.1 walks per nine. So you like those numbers when you look at Madison Bumgarner. The problem is that's allocating resources that you need to improve the lineup with because I'm going to sit here and tell you that Mike Moustakis, while he is an amazing signing, is not the end of the equation here. We're still looking for a couple of other pieces, one or two other pieces, to really fill out that lineup. Because as it stands, you still have a couple of question marks right now. I think you need to close some of those loops before you head into spring training. And at the very least, before opening day. But it'd be nice if you have all of your 
pieces on the board starting in spring training. With that being said, it's tough to see the Reds spending $23, $24 million on Madison Bumgarner and still getting the hitting. Maybe they make a trade or something or they garner some sort of bargain, but we all know how that works out. We don't want to be looking for bargains already. And there's still plenty of options out there. Namely, and this is more of a hypothetical. This, this, necessar- this isn't really... Uh, the Reds aren't really tied to a rumor of this magnitude, but as Red Leg Nation pointed out, David Schoenfield from ESPN.com had an interesting article, and, and he was looking at all 30 Major League teams, some blockbuster moves that they can make to improve their team. So this was kind of one of those... Uh, Kind of one of those uh, little scenario articles where he's looking at every single team. It's not as if he is picking something that is likely to happen. He's picking something that would be interesting and that would make them would make the Reds better. It's an interesting trade idea. They would go and get Chris Bryant from the Cubs. Now I know that that's uh, whoa. Like, uh, what are we trading to the Cubs? It's actually a three-team deal in this hypothetical scenario. Again, this is hypothetical. This is not a real scenario that is rumored to be in play, but this is just kind of a fun exercise, if you will. That's a word I was trying to look for for like the last three minutes, and I couldn't figure it out. Exercise. But in this fake scenario, it's the Reds, the Cubs, and the Astros involved in a three-team deal. In this three-team deal, the Reds get Chris Bryant, the Astros get Wilson Contreras, and then the Reds also get a reliever from the Astros named Josh James. Now you're probably wondering who the Reds have to give up, and that's the kicker. And that is what makes this interesting, because the Reds would trade Amir Garrett to the Astros, and they would trade Nick Lodolo and Tony Santion to the Cubs. Now, I know that we've had this discussion many a times before. I'm okay losing prospects if that means that we get guys who can help us win now. Because the mandate is to win now. And a prospect is not going to help you win now. Because the idea of a prospect is he's future value. He's not current value. And maybe Nick Lodolo gets called up this year if he is still in the Reds organization. Maybe. But I don't necessarily think that there's really anything to be had counting on him to get you to the playoffs. Just not going to happen. Chris Bryan, on the other hand, would make this a playoff team. Without a doubt. How do you feel about giving up Amir Garrett? And, and Josh James is a good strikeout reliever. He's not Amir Garrett, but he's a pretty good reliever as well. With years of control, it's not as if they are losing Amir Garrett for nothing. They would replace his spot in the bullpen with a guy who is maybe a step below him, but still a pretty good reliever. And then you also get Chris Bryant, who can play multiple positions and has an amazing bat. It, it, it'd be intriguing to me to see if this would happen, because, you know, as I, we had an episode a couple of weeks ago talking about in-division trading and why you don't see it too often, I, I wonder if the Cubs would... Uh, have any interest in doing this whatsoever. And Red Leg Nation points out, and Doug Gray wrote the article for Red Leg Nation, but he pointed out that uh, 
The interesting thing with Chris Bryant is he has a grievance that he filed against the Cubs for manipulating his service time. And it's actually still pending. They have not made a decision. This has been ongoing for a few years now. And supposedly there is a decision looming this offseason. They're going to decide on it this offseason. And if he wins and this hypothetical trade plays out and the Reds get Chris Bryant, they get him for one year. And then he becomes a free agent. You better believe if I'm Chris Bryant, I'm probably not signing an extension if I get traded. I'm playing that one year, and then I'm going to become a free agent and make buku bucks, because he will. If he loses his grievance, then the Reds would have him for two years, and he would become a free agent after the 2021 season. So that would really affect this trade value. I've had multiple discussions with friends and co-workers and all kinds of different people talking about the difference between trading for Mookie Betts and Francisco Lindor. And most people agree that it's really hard to give up the package of prospects and players to get a guy who's only under one year control, i.e. Mookie Betts, as opposed to a guy that you would have multiple years in Francisco Lindor. That's the same scenario playing out within one player in Chris Bryant. Who do you get? Do you get a one-year guy or a two-year guy? Because Bryant, just like Mookie Betts, is very resolute in his wanting to be a free agent. He wants to go through that process and get that big contract. And let's, I mean, Chris Bryant is a top 10 player in Major League Baseball. I don't care about your bias against the Cubs because you probably have got it. You're a Reds fan like me. I've got some bias against the Cubs. I'm, I'm not afraid to admit that, but I'm also not afraid to admit that Chris Bryant is a top 10 player in Major League Baseball. So you got to weigh that there. But that's just a hypothetical thing, something fun to talk about. Real quick, I want to talk about a couple of all-decade team items, just some some thoughts that I had. If you have not seen the article, I updated it on LockdownReds.com for the Everyday 8. Some, some guys that I think we, at least for me, I'm leaning toward, and I'd like to hear your opinion as well. We've got our locks in. The locks are Joey Votto, Brandon Phillips, Zach Cozart, Jay Bruce, um, for, you know, the everyday eight. Those are the locks. The other positions are kind of up in the air. Center field, right, or center field, left field, third base. And third base is really only up in the air because it's between two guys. I'd almost say that A. Eugenio Suarez is a lock, but there is an argument where Scott Rowland could be the all-decade third baseman too. Just just a thought there. I I would probably lean Suarez, but that's kind of one of the leans I got. Another lean that I've got, the kind of more out-of-the-box, kind of almost controversial, maybe, I don't know. I'm saying this about my own thoughts, so maybe it isn't controversial, I don't know. But Shinsu Chu is the center fielder of the decade for me. Now, your other possibilities are Billy Hamilton and Drew Stubbs and those guys, but I think for the time that he was here, Shin Su Chu was better than anyone that played in the center field spot for the Reds during the 2010s decade. I think he's my all... I'm leaning towards Shin Su Chu. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Maybe you think Drew Stubbs deserves it over him, or maybe you think Billy Hamilton deserves it over him. But I, I kind of combined the, well, you know, he wasn't here that long. I, I don't, I don't, 
put a ton of stock into how long a guy was playing in his position. I want to know what kind of value he brought to the table. And for that one year, Shin Chu was an amazing center fielder. I'm also leaning left field to be Ryan Ludwig. And mostly that's just because he was a successful left fielder on a successful team. I know there's a lot of nuances there, but that's I'm, I'm leaning toward Ryan Ludwig as the all-decade left fielder. And the reason that I lean Suarez, it, because it's a completely opposite reason than the reason I lean Ludwig, Suarez was not on a successful team, but Suarez was the best third baseman as far as talent-wise. You, you, you put him in the middle of the lineup, and he is now the face of the franchise. It's hard to keep him out. And the only reason I don't have him as a lock is that I, I liked Scott Rowland a lot too. Maybe you think that I'm a little bit crazy there. Maybe you think that it's a Eugenio Suarez and it's not even close. I don't know. Whatever you got, thoughts on the all-decade team, I'd love to hear them. On the Lockdown Reds line, give me a text, give me a call, 513-549-0159, or hit me up on Twitter, at Jeff Carr with three Fs, or at Lockdown Reds. And that's going to do it for today. Tomorrow, going to take a look at Reds Fest, kind of preview some of the players that are coming in, what's going on, all that good stuff. You're not going to want to miss it. Make sure that you are subscribed. That's the best way to not miss podcasts, is make sure that you are subscribed to the podcast on all the many podcasting platforms. Follow me on Twitter at Jeff Carr and at Lockdown Reds. Kind of mentioned that earlier. And I mentioned the Lockdown Reds line. And also check out LockdownReds.com. Thank you guys so much for listening today. I just love talking Reds with you. I'm so glad that I get to talk Reds with you every single day during the offseason, except for when I take an off day or the weekend, you know, whatever. But you'll hear from me tomorrow. You'll hear from me this weekend from Reds Fest. I'm hoping to get to talk to a bunch of different people. We'll see how that all plays out. I'm not going to make any promises because I'm leaving it kind of open to see who it is that I talk to and who we get on the podcast. Hoping there's a big variety. Anyway, that's going to do it for us today here on the Lockdown Reds podcast. My name is Jeff Carr, and I will talk to you guys tomorrow. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Lockdown podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.